You're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor Diaz. Only on WRSE. How's everybody doing? If you're just tuning in, this is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio, and you're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show. I got Senor Diaz to my left and Sackman right in front of me. We got an awesome show for you guys today. We haven't been able to talk about the Bears too in depth recently. This is going to be a big Bears episode for us. There was a lot of moves yesterday in that first day of free agency for Ryan Poles and that Bears front office that leave a lot of questions come draft time. Exactly. Let's go back to this past weekend with the first move that was made before free agency. The Bears traded the first overall pick to the Carolina Panthers for DJ Moore and four other picks. How do you feel about that? <coughs> we got a haul, baby. <laughs> that was the best we could probably get. I mean, we got a legit Pro Bowl receiver, a receiver who, if he was on our Bears for the whole career, he'd go, with the statistics that he has right now, would be our all-time leading receiver. Who's already on a deal. They already extended him. We don't have to do any of that dirty work. So now we have a number one receiver to pair with our absolute stallion of a quarterback and our good friend Mooney. We get, obviously, the ninth overall pick this year and a second, and we get a first and second the next year to a team that's probably not even going to be very good. That's the best you can hope for. Now we're kind of like in a Seahawks position where we could potentially be good this year and have a top ten pick. So we, we start off with that, but that's great. So now we got a legitimate number one receiver. For our young franchise quarterback that pairs well with Mooney and Claypool. Three other picks. What else could I thought that was the best haul we could get. Indianapolis did not want to give up Michael Pittman. This receiver class and both the draft class and free agency class was weak. So this was the best thing we could have hoped for. In terms of the trade and finding a receiver. Uh, first, I want to talk about that ninth overall pick. When the Bears had that first overall pick and, you know, if we were saying there were no trades, it was pretty obvious who the Bears were probably going to take. That was going to be Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. With this ninth overall pick, it opens up a lot more possibilities for who the Bears are going to draft. What would you want to see Ryan Poles do in the draft? Personally, I think it comes down to three players for me. Four. If we want to go the offensive line route, I'd love to see Skaronsky first and foremost. If not, maybe Paris Johnson. I don't know too much about Broderick Jones. He's an offensive tackle out of Georgia. But he's one guy that could be slated there as well. But if it comes down to O-line, I want one of those two. If not, we go the defensive route. We could get our good friend Speed Racer. I think he could fall to nine, being Jalen Carter. Which, I mean, that would be an ultimate. That was a guy we arguably could have picked at one if we stayed at one. Some people think he's the consensus best player in this class. If we can get him at nine, the value would be through the roof. But we then have a stallion up front to pair with newly signed Demarcus Walker. Um, if not those two, I would also be pretty cool with Njigba. I mean, Jackson's been the Jigba. I think he's by far the best receiver in this class. It's not even close. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave had a they were on like a little podcast a couple days ago, and they said, yeah, he's better than both of us. Garrett Wilson was the offensive rookie of the year, and Olave had like 1,200 yards, and Andy Dalton was quarterback. So that's kind of nuts to think about. If not the offensive line, that, that if not one of those three routes, I would like to see a trade back maybe, get more picks in the 20 to 40 range because we don't have any picks in that range. Uh, other than that, maybe if, say, we do go out and get a defensive tackle in free agency, in free agency or offensive tackle, really stock up on those two up in the trenches with the $50 million we have remaining, Maybe you could go Bajan Robinson, 
just because that we were really restoring the monsters of the midway again two dog linebackers and a generational running back just feels right but yeah i'd say at number nine either carter skronsky paris johnson or Najigba. josh what are you thinking um, I'm kind of on the same route, um, but I like um, I like Skaronsky for sure. I do like Cody Mouch, but as a second-round pick, um, if he's still there, I really would hope so because I really like him at what he can do uh, at the guard position. Um, I do like the, the B. John Robinson uh, talk with him in the second round. I'm not so sure how I'm feeling about the Jackson Smith and Jigba one because I feel like we have our big three already. And we still have Velas. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't prove to be the the Velas we thought he was <coughs> gonna be. And I'm not saying that's what's gonna happen with Njigba, but I'd rather just kind of build on what we have now, um, and really like perfect it so Justin could just get like comfortable. Yeah, we draft him. He's in rookie camp, whatever. And you go through that process, but I feel like what we have right now in our receiving core is really good. Um, adding him would make us dangerous even more, but I feel like we have a lot more needs, especially with like how Sackley was saying in the in the defensive line area and offensive line area, uh, especially. So, like, I feel like once we, whatever our first pick is, whether it's offense or defense, not a wide receiver, so a guard tackle or a D tackle, I think that's where he's really gonna like start to play, you know, and start to maybe give up what we have already after the first round and get more picks off of that. So I feel like that's what he's kind of playing at right now. One thing I've noticed a lot in the past couple off seasons with free agency and draft is that the NFL loves two storylines. And I'm not saying the NFL is scripted or anything, but if the NFL was scripted, they like when a player has a homecoming and they like when former college teammates team up. So for the Bears, that means Peter Skaronsky staying in Chicago playing from Northwestern, from Illinois, coming back and playing for his hometown team, the Chicago Bears. The NFL would love that. Beautiful. The other thing is Jackson Smith and Jigba coming to play with Justin Fields. Yep. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase was a big deal. Devontae Adams and Derek Carr, when they got together, was a big deal. They loved the college QB wide receiver duos. And those guys already have that experience together. So even if it's not scripted, they have the experience together. They're going to be fine when they get on the field. They're going to be have that connection that people are always worried about right away with a young receiver and a young quarterback. Yeah. But if I were picking, I would kind of go kind of with what Josh is saying where I don't, I don't trust Jackson Smith and Jigbo to say that he's the number nine pick in this for the Bears. I, I think he's a very good receiver, but I also think our wide receiver core is deep enough right now that we could get a wide receiver in one of the later rounds and have that guy be the guy that we develop. I really like Bryce Ford Wheaton out of um, West Virginia. I think he's going to be a monster. He reminds me a lot of like a DK Metcalf type of player, and I think that's a another range that we could get him in in that later round and steal him like a DK Metcalf. <clears throat> and with his ninth overall pick, I would rather just go offensive tackle. Just try it. Like Even if you sign one of those other guys, then you have a swing young guy in your line, and then when you have to start phasing out some of those other old guys, like if we go out and get Orlando Brown Jr. for a three-year deal on – $30 million or whatever they're going to sign him to. If that doesn't work out, if that has like a Charles Leno effect, you know, we can just get rid of him and move on to Peter Skronsky in a year or two or Paris Johnson in a year or two and have him be like a rotational guy in this first year and figure out where he fits best in the NFL. And I think that works better for this team because although I think this Bears team is going to be successful this season, 
I don't think they're a contender this season. So I think it's better to just kind of start building that core in the offensive line versus going out and jumping for a receiver that has the possibility of being a star, but chances are he's just going to be our third receiver going into this season. <clears throat> Moving on from the draft, I want to go back to this trade. How badly do you think the Bears fleeced the Panthers? Oh, this one? by a by like five football fields, man. The, the Panthers GM was getting, like, harassed on a Bears fan page. I was looking yeah. at the comments, and, like, the the Panthers GM was absolutely just getting crap talk the whole, like, all throughout the comments. Like, I remember one specifically was, like, first, first McCaffrey, now this. You know, like, now, and then you had people going absolutely insane. And But everyone in Chicago, meanwhile, we're doing backflips yep. no matter what size we are. Like we're over here, ready to scale the Willis Tower, you know. Like we're. I had ten shots because of this trade. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, Poles was looking for someone desperate. Obviously, he was looking probably for the Colts or Texans. But when you got someone that desperate, yeah. you're take you're taking that, especially with how Sackley said, DJ Moore alone with the stats he put up in Carolina, he is literally the Bears' number one. Leading in like receiving yards all time. And think about all the different quarterbacks he had. He had Kyle Allen, Wash Cam Newton, Sam Darnold, PJ Walker, Baker Mayfield, Ty- Baker Mayfield, Taylor Heineke. Um, yeah, it's six right there. <laughs> like he did that with those guys throwing to measure with Justin Fields. And I know Justin's ready to start working with him too. And He's already extended. He's not on a rookie deal. We don't have to deal with those that shenanigans. He's ready to go. So this is the perfect – this was a great trade. And the fact that we got, obviously, the first this year, but then a first and a second next year, that's awesome. I mean, Ryan Poles is the fleece master. Um, with, with this trade from the Carolina Panthers' point of view – what do you think they saw in one of these young quarterbacks that made them feel like this was a fair package for them to move up? With them, it's just they're just so desperate. David Tepper is—he's been kind of a very erratic owner since he took them from Jerry, Wich- Jerry Richardson. I think it was more so just the desperation that they needed a quarterback. To be honest, because they probably—if they would have stayed at nine—they probably could have got a solid quarterback. But I think it was just the pure desperation. I don't know who they're going to pick. Personally, I think they saw Anthony Richardson, and he's like, that's our new Cam Newton. That's what I think is going to happen. I mean, I could see that happening, but for some reason I just have this feeling C.J. Stroud yeah. is that guy. Like, that, the, the guy that they're going to believe in and to really, like, build around. Just like how the Bears did with Justin Fields, you know? So with them, I think – that guy is their Cam Newton, you know, because they've seen him play longer, play way more games. Um, and one of my uh, bosses made a good point that when, and he's a Kentucky fan, so he'll never. He said he'll never forget it when Kentucky went down to the swamp and they were playing Florida, and when they showed Anthony Richardson that like he was saying his body language was horrible, he didn't look like he wanted to be there. 
Like he's just like let's just get let's just let's get this game over with and let's get out of here, you know. And that was probably like the worst game he ever had in college, you know. So I mean, stuff like that that he pointed out that I didn't really recognize is something to like look at, especially from a GM standpoint, you know, because it's like, oh, like do we got to worry about this if we start losing? Like is this kid just gonna like give up on us? And yeah, they're saying that he's you know the next Mahomes or whatever because he has the arm strength he makes those throws that Mahomes makes you know but I don't I don't think at least the Colts Texans and Panthers are going to take a chance on him yeah. I don't think so I do agree with Stroud if there was one quarterback I feel like the safest choices it's definitely Stroud just because he has the production on Mike Levis and Richardson he has the experience on Mike Levis and Richardson and he's not you know 5'7 150 like Bryce Young you know, the big thing with Anthony Richardson that I, I see is, like, he is to a T. Like, you, you said he's like Cam Newton. He is to a T. He's built Cam in a lab. Is literally Cam Newton. Yeah. Like, and talking about, like, the body language and stuff like that, if you think about Cam Newton when he played, he was exactly the same way. When the Panthers were losing, he was always head down, not by the team, yelling at people, all that stuff. He had all that same, like, attitude issues. If this team really wants Anthony Richardson at that one pick, they're going to have to rebuild fast. Oh, no, definitely. He needs the support around him, not only like just for him to grow as a football player, but for him to grow mentally, too. And the other thing is, like, when I'm watching Anthony Richardson, it looks like Cam Newton the year before he got his Heisman. So when Cam Newton was at Florida, it's very erratic, it's very raw. You can see the talent there, but it it needs to be brought out by somebody. And the other thing is, I don't know if the Panthers coaching staff can do that. When Ron Rivera and his coaching staff were there, I think Ron Rivera is one of the best coaches in the league. I think every time he's on a team, they're at least going to go 500, even if they're a bad team, usually. And I think Cam, er, Ron Rivera worked wonders with Cam Newton because he understood who Cam Newton was. Whoever is running or helping out the quarterbacks for the Carolina Panthers, they need to be able to meet an understanding with Anthony Richardson if they're going to take him with that first overall pick. I think C.J. Stroud is probably the safest choice, and I think that's probably what they're going to go with. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Richardson was taken with that first overall pick because, you know, he is what the Panthers know already. I believe in Frank Reich. I think he's very good at developing. I mean, he he brought Carson Wentz to MVP season. He has a proven track record. I mean, he was a starting NFL quarterback at one point. If there's a guy that I would feel comfortable trying to develop a guy like Richardson, it would be Frank Reich. But if I were them personally, I'm going with Stroud. Yeah, and that's that's what I was going to say. Like, I was watching a bunch of videos about, you know, the whole trade happening or whatever. But that, you know, the Bears won the trade, obviously. But that the the Panthers kind of made a smarter move, essentially, I guess, because they really believe in Frank Reich. You know, they call him the QB whisperer, you know, because, like you said, he started games, you know, and he gave Carson Wentz his MVP season, that, like this and that. So... I'm intrigued to actually see how he can help produce whoever they draft, you know, the young man to whatever they need for the next generation to really push that team to where they want to be, you know. Adding DJ Moore to this Bears offense, what do you think the ceiling for the Bears offense is this season? Just by adding. Way more than the last two seasons combined. Yeah. I mean, we're going to carry this run game into this next year. But now, I mean, last two years, you know, we thought A-Rob was going to be the guy in 2021. We thought Mooney was going to be the guy. Mooney, you know, he did get hurt. He was kind of emerging. But, I mean, one thing that doesn't get talked about a lot is Cole Komet. I think Cole Komet's a top-ten tight end in the NFL. 
he popped out last season. I mean, in a very run-dominant offense, he had 50 catches, 500 yards, and seven touchdowns. That's pretty impressive. You, you add him, you're going to get a healthy Mooney. Claypool can actually learn the offense now and have yep. a full offseason. If he can just go back to like his rookie or second-year form, like you know, 800 yards, six, seven touchdowns, you pair that with DJ Moore, Cole Komet, Mooney in this dominant run game, and the fact that we have a quarterback that can take it 70 yards at any point in the game, this should be a top 10 offense. We just, you know, we added Nate Davis. We got two good guards now. Add a tackle. Figure out what we're going to do at center. I don't see why this can't be a top 10 offense. You have a, you have a quarterback in just the field that can elevate guys around him. He makes the other guys better. He can carry a team. You saw him do it this year. He finished not, top 10 in the MVP voting with the worst team in the league. It's never happened before. There's no reason why if we go out, we add the right guys, we can be a top 10 offense. Especially, sorry, especially with, you know, Justin Fields. We know he can run and take it, like he said. We also have Khalil Herbert coming back full, you know. I mean, he was injury prone last season in and out of the out of the rotation, especially with Montgomery. I don't think we're keeping Montgomery. I think we're going to go for uh, either a second round or we could pick up a free agency. I know they're talking about Austin Eckler being a front runner for the Bears. Who knows? But um, Khalil Herbert being 100 behind a new refurbished line but still with some familiar uh parts of it i think is going to be huge especially with a guard like nate davis i think you know he could produce a lot for us especially if we we need to boot mustafer i don't know why we didn't yet but um and then move whitehair back to center i think that's a perfect duo for justin or herbert and or whoever we get to really just crack down right down the right down the middle before we move on to free agency, I wanted to ask you guys one more question. Um, Justin Fields, his MVP odds went up to plus 2,000. How likely do you see something like that happening this season? I think it can happen. He just has to stay healthy. We need to win games. Yeah. He's He had, like, basically an MVP performance this year. He just had, if he didn't have Uber Eats drivers for receivers, <laughs> he would have, you know, the passing statistics would have been better. A couple throws here and there, we win a few more games, he probably would have finished top five like if he think about it remember that that bomb against the pelicans that he overthrew by like an inch to mooney if you catch that we win that game because we lost that game by four a commander's throw the commander's throw in the end zone to ryan griffin that's two wins the pick six to jeff okudia the little number one as they call them in college that's three games right there he probably would have finished fifth in mvp voting because that's when he was like really on his tear too if he just stays healthy, we protect him, we win games. I don't see why he can't. Just because even if, say, you know, he does get better passing-wise, but it's not, like, spectacular, like, you know, Mahomes or, like, say he's at, like, 200 yards per game, you know, good touchdowns. But that running is always going to help him. I mean, I've never seen a quarterback that can legitimately break a 65-plus-yard run at any moment. He's like a Deion Sanders back there. Yeah. And just to keep adding on to the point, with him being how young and developing he still is, you know, giving him that type of defense and making, like, that defense is going to make sure that kid is on the field every, like, way more than the defense is on the field. Like, that, those starting three linebackers are absolutely going to destroy the league. And They, they like, restored the glory of the Bears' goaded linebacker trios. Yeah, like, th those guys, I feel like both uh, Tremaine Edmonds and 
TJ Edwards. TJ Edwards are going to coach up Sanborn, and they're going to be a nasty three. Like, that is that is a three-headed dragon right there. Yeah. Like, we are in the works of forming a three-headed dragon with them. And once we, we, they develop, and if we get Jalen Carter or we go sign a veteran D-tackle or whatever and develop everything where everyone's on the same page and we get a healthy Eddie Jackson back, that defense is going to put Justin Fields on that field more than that defense is going to be on that field. We, we already have a secondary. It was just the front seven. Yeah. Now we got a secondary. We got a linebacking core. We're going to add that secondary and draft. Probably going to draft like a corner in the fourth round. Uh, a nice third corner is really what they're missing in that secondary. That Witherspoon from Illinois would, would be nice. Yeah, but we'd have to get him at nine if we wanted him. Oh, yeah. That's right. the only problem. Um, but, yeah, we have the secondary. We now have the linebacking core. We just – you get – you know, league average up up front. Demarcus Walker will help, but if we can just be, you know, league average up front, this defense is going to be a top ten, top fifteen defense. Yes, that's going to help. We had the thirty first ranked defense this year, and we were still almost winning games. And this defense could most likely score a lot of points for us too, especially yeah, with opportunistic Eddie Jackson back and Tremaine Edmonds and yep. T.J. Edwards. Those two guys alone, watching film on them, they're insane. Brisker, I love Brisker. It's, it's it's going to be a fun defense. Let's talk a little more about those linebackers. Tremaine Edmonds, the Bears got him out of Buffalo. Uh, he spent the first part of his career there. Uh, that was a huge loss to Buffalo. I think a lot of people weren't really expecting that to happen, or at least him to leave that early in the free agency. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then TJ Edwards was kind of a sneaky signing by the Bears, too. A lot of people were thinking it was going to be Bobby Okereke was going to be that first signing for the Bears, and then it ended up being TJ Edwards. Edwards is the better player, and he's younger. Mm-hmm. Edwards was top Five in tackles and if he had 150 tackles. I mean, we basically got two top five linebackers for the price of what Roquan Smith wanted. Yep. Ryan Poles is an absolute master. I think the combined salaries of those two guys were only $6 million more than what Roquan Smith got from the Ravens. Yeah, yeah and I mean, to go back on Tremaine Edmonds first uh, that we pointed out, the dude's only 24. He has barely unlocked his potential as a NFL football player. And that is insane. And we got him for a steal. I mean, when we were dominant in our 4-3 defense, it's because we had Brian Urlacher patrolling the field at 6'4", 260, you know, 4'5", 40. Now we got Tremaine Edmonds, who's 6'5", 250, runs a 4'5", and is only 24. And they had a Lance Briggs on the outside. Which is now our Edwards. Mm-hmm. Who? That's who... T.J. Edwards grew up idolizing being a Lake Villa resident, being a Chicago Bears fan. Yeah, and, like, we just signed a Super Bowl-caliber linebacker. I think that's, what that's like, flying over people's heads, too. Yeah. Like, they're just like, oh, you know, like, he was really good for the Eagles, this and that. Super Bowl-caliber linebacker. They drafted N'Kobe Dean in the second round, and they said, yeah, this guy's still better than N'Kobe Dean. And then... As our third linebacker in the old days, you know, it was Hunter Hillmeyer, piece of Tisa Misamoa, Nick Roach, you know, random guys. Now we got Sanborn, who, if he didn't get hurt, was probably going to finish first or second defensive rookie of the year. Oh, probably. most definitely. So now we got three young, hungry dogs. No more. He works hard and practices hard. <laughs> he does all the right things, guys. No, we got three dogs in our linebacking core. This is like the 85 Bears defense when they had... Singletary, Otis Wilson, and uh, Wilbur Marshall. That's what we got right now. Now if we can just make sure we don't have, you know, me at D-tackle, <laughs> we're going to be good. 
and talking about when I was talking about you know, former college teammates, TJ Edwards and uh, Jack Sanborn one year in Wisconsin. You know, Familiarity, it's meant to communication, that's a big part. It's already there. It's a huge sign. I think it's it's going to be really exciting. And I'm like talking about how TJ Edwards idolized Lance Briggs. That makes me so excited. Lance Briggs is my personal favorite Bears player of all time. Lance Briggs is a dog. And that he should be Edwards. in the Hall of Fame right now. Oh, yeah. They, they need to stop with the chicanery and put him in already. Him and Peanut Tillman and Devin Hester all need to go. Yes. <laughs> um, and then you guys were also talking about Demarcus Walker a little bit earlier. Yeah, Sadly, very, under, very good. Sorry. Very underrated signing. I mean, he's like a – he played a lot of five technique but for the Titans, but he would kick in to a three technique and pass rushing downs. He's, you know, good size, 6'4", 280. I think he'll be a starting defensive end and, like, a three technique on pass rushing downs. But very underrated our signing. He had 35 tackles, seven sacks last year for the Titans. I mean, I think that's a big upgrade over, you know, Al-Qadim Muhammad and Ooh. Justin Jones. Justin Jones did okay. He was okay, but he was still below He wasn't as bad as Al-Qadim Muhammad, though. Yeah, 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 100%. Al- like, I don't think anyone else can get worse than Al-Qadim Muhammad. I mean, like, that guy tossed our season. Yeah, he... He's the reason why Danny Jones got paid $140 million. Because <laughs> of that one game where we just couldn't tackle him. You know, he just ran outside every time we passed out. It was, ah, my head still hurts. <laughs> but, yeah, Marcus Walker, that's a very under the radar signing, and we got him for cheap. And we got him for, like, six, seven mil a year. We'll take that. Mm-hmm. Got a couple other guys like that. You know, maybe draft, like, a Keanu Benton day two. You see, that's a guy we've been mocked a lot from Wisconsin to pair with Sanborn. Uh, you know, hopefully Dominic Robinson develops like we think he will. Travis Gibson keeps getting better. Travis Gibson goes back to his 2021 form, getting our D end. Uh, you know, maybe draft Jalen Carter with the ninth pick. We'll be set. Are there any guys still left in free agency that you think would be a nice pairing with uh, Walker? Well, I was also thinking. Fletcher of, Cox, did they resign him? Mm-hmm. He's going back to the Eagles. Yeah, I they resigned him. Considering him. Uh, well, Draymond Jones is now gone, but I'm glad we didn't overpay for him because he was not worth $18 million a year. He had a career high six sacks. I'm not paying $18 million a year for that. I was also thinking maybe Zach Allen, but he was then picked up by the Broncos to replace Draymond Jones. I would think maybe like a Puna Ford from Seattle. Maybe a guy like him. I'm looking more so draft. I want. Either that Siaka Ika from Baylor, because ma- for this 4 3 defense, we need a massive one technique that can just eat space. We get him in the second round. If Carter falls to us at pick, because I want the Bears to get a tackle in free agency. I, like, I want some veterans on this front, because we got Jenkins and Jones as our young guys. So I want to get McGarry or Orlando Brown and have Jones be our tackle, or if it's left or right, we'll figure it out. The other guy I was thinking, moving over to offense a little bit, um, was Rodney Hudson's a free agent. If they wanted to let go of Cody Whitehair, that'd be a pretty solid center to bring in. That I, I would better. love it. It's just he's very old. He didn't play last what, year. What um, what tackle did was RJ talking about in the Falcons? That Caleb did? McGarry. Caleb McGarry, yeah. yeah. So, personally, I want to just load up on D-line in the draft because it's a very good D-line draft. That Nolan Smith, dude. Yeah. He's going to go... He's gonna go early. If he doesn't, we and that's he's still on the table. I wouldn't mind taking him. I think he's like mocked at like twelve right now, so he should be. Around. Dude, that would be nice. He had the yeah. fastest forty for an edge. 
It's just I'm worried because we drafted a fast edge, smaller defender like that in Floyd, and it didn't work out. Who we could bring back, just saying, too. I, at this point, <laughs> I'd be fine with bringing back, back Leonard I think Floyd. He, he wouldn't have the season he had in 2018, but I think he could get close to it. Because I, I mean, feel that like, wasn't even he was better with the Rams. <laughs> he didn't do jack squat or anything against the Packers against when he was with the Bears. I mean, if he can just do his Rams form, he's had nine plus sacks every year. I'd take that in a heartbeat. Um, how would you feel about a guy like Yannick Ngakwe? That's one That'd of fun, yeah. my favorite defensive ends still left. Defensive linemen still left. Um, you know, I know he's kind of been jumping around teams a lot these past couple of years in his career, but it's not really like his fault. It's, it's not. Just, he gets traded. He goes a, on teams that are, oh, we're going to tank now, so we're going to trade him to get something good for him. It's, it's a bunch of, fault. like, middle of the road teams that yeah. think they're ready to go over the next level. And <laughs> I don't know how he always ends up on them. It's the Vikings and the Ravens yeah. and the uh, Colts. And it's nuts. And I he's, think he's had a very interesting career. Mm-hmm. And he's a journeyman, but not by his fault. He gets like nine sacks a season, no matter where he plays. Like yeah. literally everywhere he plays, he gets yeah, like jet nine. Jet lag. Uh huh. Nine sacks a year. The other guy who's available, and I think I would just want just because of the veteran presence, and if he's not going to retire, but Clay Campbell. Oh yeah, especially if you draft Jalen Carter. Mm-hmm. I, I think be- he would be the perfect opposite to him. Move him like inside for like a three technique, maybe, or if, I guess we could have him play end. He's been doing that for a little bit now, but yeah, the Ravens just let him go. Yeah, I think he's gonna go back to them though. Probably, but I'd be down, especially with Jeff Carter to get someone to mentor him. You know, hey buddy, don't drive one hundred and five. <laughs> that would be great. Don't don't pull a what's his name from the Raiders, Henry Ruggs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean. We still. What's crazy is we handed out all this money yesterday, but we still have over fifty million. We still, have, yeah, it's like ten more million we have over the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Nuts. Um, let's let's move on to the rest of the NFL and some of the other big free agent signings that have been happening. First, I don't remember if we had a chance to talk about, it, but if we did, let's talk about it again. Derek Carr to the New Orleans Saints. How do you feel about that move for the Saints? I feel like it's a really good move for them, and I mean they kept. Um, I was about to say Teddy Bridgewater. Um, Jameis Winston. Winston. And they kept Michael Thomas for cheap, too. They restructured his contract. So he's there for, what, one year, 10 mil, I think it said. Um, so I, I think it, it it still gives him a weapon. And he has a uh, – no, London's in, in Atlanta. Who's – Olave. Yeah. He has Olave. Rashid and has, Shahid as well. Yeah, so, I mean – Kevin White. <laughs> kind of fit. Um, I mean, he hit a 60-yard catch in that one game, and I was like <laughs> – <laughs> so I mean he's got weapons for him. It's not like they're in drastic need. They do have some holes I think they need to fill, but other than that, I think he'll do really good there. But I don't think they'll make it out of that division. Maybe like second or third though. Who who do you think's beating them in that division? Atlanta. Atlanta's slowly quietly building a very good team. Yeah. I mean they added David Anyamala, Jesse Bates. They for whatever reason traded for Janu Smith. I like Janu Smith, but they have Hits, who I thought they should have drafted a quarterback instead. But, okay, now we have two tight ends and Arthur Smith's ever-going quest to run the ball as much as you possibly can. Do you think that has anything to do with them getting ready to get Lamar Jackson? They said they don't want him anymore. I know they said that, but teams say a lot of stuff a lot of times. He's not wrong. And there are multiple tight ends, yeah, that would suggest that they would be willing to do that. But I don't know. I mean, Lamar Jack, we need to talk about that later because he's acting a fool today. 
but that is something I wouldn't be surprised. The two tight ends really makes you think. But they're slowly building a good team. I mean, even if they don't get Lamar and they stay with Ritter, I mean, Ritter, he, he didn't look, they put him on the too late. He had some games where he looked very skittish, very scared. But then he finished the season looking very well against Tampa Bay. I kind of liked him coming out of college. But, you know, Atlanta, I think, right now is the best team in that division. When I think of Saints, I think old. I think declining. That defense is old, and they just lost David Onyemad. He's a very underrated defensive tackle. Personally, I think the Falcons are coming out of that division. Unless if the Panthers just have games where they run for 300 yards each. What do you think the highest upside is for the Saints with Derek Carr? Like, what do you think their ceiling is? 9-8, 10-7, maybe win a first-round playoff game. Josh, what do you think? Mm. Barely get by in a wild-card game. That's what I'm going with. Mm-hmm. What do you think the ceiling of this Falcons team is, then? 9-8, lose first thing. round. <laughs> yeah, most likely. Uh, yeah, that one I'll give them first round. Maybe a little bit farther. But nothing after that. I think they could, you know, be like a Giants-type team this year if they play as best as they can because the Giants played as best as they could. Pitt stays healthy, lives up to his potential in Drake London. And I do like Tyler Algier. 1,000 yards as a rookie. No one talked about that. He runs violent. Watching him run is like watching, like, a motorcycle gang beat up a nursing home. Like, it's, like, violent. Josh is making a face over here, Josh. David Montgomery to the Lions, three years, 18 mil. Wow. (laughs) The Lions? That means Jamal Williams is gone then. That means the Bears definitely didn't want David Montgomery if it was only three years, 18 mil. I I told you. That is a cheap deal. To the Lions. It just broke right now. I'm going to cry. Why? I (laughs) I love Montgomery. Now he's with the Lions. He was... I know. I mean, he, he was good, but I like. I don't know, man. Khalil I'm fine Herbert. with letting him like slide, but oh, just not to the Lions. It's not, it's, it's like watching. It's like seeing Superman like smack a kid. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so what you think? We you think we go after Austin Eckler or Jamal Williams possibly? Let's talk about Austin Eckler for a little bit. What 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 would you give up for Austin Eckler as a Bears fan? A third round pick. Yeah, I mean third. If we got that. Seventh one, we got give it compository one or whatever from the NFL. I mean, maybe that. They're not going to take that for us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, I'm man. Sorry. I mean, we could add that in with like a third. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, they're we, not. I, we do the third, the seventh round. If you offer me that, I'm hanging up. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, we could, yeah, the third round and maybe the seventh, but that's about it. And Sek is going to go outside and scream, so. Um, you know, with with Eckler, I I I would give up. I, I was saying a third round pick before the show when we were talking about it a little bit. I don't don't think I'd be mad at one of our second round picks though. I don't think it would be the best deal that Poles has made, but I think it would be worth it in order to. When I'm looking at this offense that Poles is building, what I see is that he's probably going to draft another tight end in the draft, late round, one of those I guys like that. that are pretty high. And then I think he wants running backs who are able to do it all because his goal with this offense is to make sure that nobody ever knows what the Bears are going to do. And I think all the receivers fit that. I think we were talking about it. Um, or uh, My roommate, JP, was telling me about this, how Chase Claypool, 
if you watched his routes, all his one-on-one routes, it takes him like just a little bit longer than the normal normal receiver to get open. But he gets open almost every time. And if the Bears' line can actually protect and Chase Claypool can get open and Darnell Mooney can go and find ways open like he does all the time, and then we have DJ Moore and then two capable receiving tight ends, Cole Komet and one of these rookies that we pull in, and then Austin Eckler in the backfield too, nobody is ever going to know what's happening on the field for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, no. And I think that would be worth a second-round pick. No, yeah, I could also see us giving up that second-round 61 or whatever mm-hmm. it is in that area. Uh especially that, maybe even trade, like, picks with uh, the Chargers, too, which wouldn't be too bad. But they're also – it just broke again that um, the Bears are showing interest in Jamal. So, mm-hmm. this is crazy. <laughs> this, well, this I mean, crazy. at least with Jamal, he has familiarity with the system, and he brings, a, you know, quite a mantra with him. I think that'd be good for our locker room. I mean, it, he, did, he did get suspended from BYU for one year for having – Sexual intercourse. That's always awesome. <laughs> what? Thanks for the fun facts. Thanks, man. Where does he get these facts from? I posted a meme about that. Follow Sackman Sports, everybody on TikTok. Um, I mean, if we signed Jamal Williams, we'd only be able to keep him for like two years, and then I think we'd have to give him to the Vikings just so that he gets around the whole division. <laughs> That'd be the only logical option it's with passed it. Passed around the NFC North. <laughs> I, I don't want Jamal Williams. I mean, he's good, but. If we could get Eckler, why not go get Eckler? Yeah, I'd rather have Eckler. I mean, Jamal Williams is nice, but... We're just basically replacing David Montgomery with a worse yeah, David Montgomery. The worst version <laughs> of David Montgomery. He just, he just had a really good offensive line. David Montgomery is going to be an MVP candidate <laughs> next year. Oh. <laughs> it's going to have like 42 We always touchdowns. wanted to see him have a good offensive line. Now he's going to get it. David um, Montgomery, 2,000-yard season, I'm calling it. MVP, first time since Adrian Peterson. <laughs> NFL running back. MVP, all for it. I love David Montgomery. He's got me through some hard times. <laughs> all right. Um, let's move on to some of these other free agents that uh, were moving around the league a little bit. Uh, we were talking a lot about offensive tackles uh, with the Bears. Let's talk about some of these other offensive tackles that have been signed places because these are some of the bigger names. Um, one of them was Jawan Taylor going to Kansas City from Jacksonville. How big of a signing is this for Kansas City, especially since they were looking at getting other tackles to replace Orlando Brown that are probably better than Orlando Brown right now? I mean, I think Jawan Taylor is better than Orlando Brown. There are people are saying, well, look, could he, he's moving from right tackle to left tackle. Andy Reid's a genius. They did that with Orlando Brown. They'll be fine. Andrew Wiley went to the commanders. Which really, they're – Right tackle should be Lucas Niang. He just cannot stay healthy. So right, they'll be fine off up front because their interior three is awesome. With Thune, Creed Humphrey was the number one rated center. And Trey Smith, who's a Pro Bowl caliber right guard. They'll either stick with Niang or they'll draft someone in the third round. That will do very well. I'm not worried about that. Brett Veach, Andy Reid, they know what they're doing. I think that was a good signing. They, you know, saved some money as well. I thought that was a, another reason why the Chiefs are one of the best organizations in the league. McGarry, McGarry staying with the Falcons, though. That sounds like more building up for a guy like Lamar Jackson. That's all I got to say. Yeah, three years, <laughs> 34 and a half mil. That's it? <laughs> yep. We couldn't get McGarry for, 30, for 10 mil of the season? What do you think the Bears were offering, then? We must have been offering nothing. They, no, they got to be putting all their eggs in the basket of Orlando Brown, then. That's all I can think of. 
Uh, I mean, it would make sense, but dude, if the if Kansas is taking a chance, not taking a chance on Jawan Taylor, but they're picking up a really good tackle in Jawan Taylor, right? But I don't, dude. I Kansas didn't want to put a second franchise tag on Orlando Brown Jr., right? Yeah, he's a what two-time Super Bowl winning tackle. I understand that, but I'm not paying him the rest of my money. I'm not. If I'm Ryan Pole, I am not paying him the rest of that money. Orlando Brown's not going to get that money from anyone else. Exactly. Like, I'm not taking a chance on that. The majority of the teams don't even want him at left tackle. He's a right tackle. He just has the thing. My dad played left tackle, so I got to play left tackle. No, you got to pay me as a left tackle. His dad dad missed three years in his career because he got a flag to the eye. I was going to say, his dad's not even that good. Like, why are you trying Rest in peace, no disrespect, but it's not like he was some amazing all-world. The best part about him was his nickname, Zeus. Yeah. I mean, most people probably just confuse him with Orlando Pace. That's how he gets mentioned most of the time, you know? This is an insane show. Um, you know, going with, like, offensive tackles, let's stay with that. Mike McGlinchney going to, San Fran- or going to Denver from San Francisco. Do you think this changes or begins changing the course of the Broncos right now because they were so down last season? Do you think this is a good step forward for them? Their offensive line was worse than the Bears. They allowed 63 sacks last year. They needed it. They overpaid for McGlinchey. McGlinchey is nowhere near worth this money. He's not a Pro Bowl caliber player, and he has injury issues. I'm kind of glad the Bears didn't sign him because he was not worth what they gave him. They signed Ben Powers as well, which was a good signing at left guard. But, yeah, the Broncos needed this. They wanted to go all out. They wanted to get offensive line help. I think they might even draft an offensive line and pick number 29. I wouldn't be surprised. But, yeah, this, those two for Denver, I think they can be a, a playoff team now with this offensive line. With Peyton, I think personally it was Hackett that had a lot to do with Russell Wilson. Peyton's not doing all those games he played with. Hackett played with Wilson and letting him do all this stuff. With this defense, you know, they did lose Draymond, but they replaced him with Zach Allen. I think they can be a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like Russell Wilson has the ability to bounce back this season? Or do you think yeah. they're going to start already looking for future options, let's say, in the draft? He has the ability to bounce back. I mean, just no one's talked about this. I'm, this, I might be a little crazy, call me crazy, but the last two games without Hackett, I mean, he had like five or six touchdowns. He was running the ball more. He looked like he looked like old Russell Wilson. They beat the Chargers. I mean, the Chargers played everybody. They should have beat the Chiefs. They got robbed on a bunch of calls. He looked a lot better. Now you give him a much better offensive line. Javante Williams comes back. Tim Patrick comes back. Garrett Bowles comes back. No one talked about that. They were missing a lot of guys. That's your best running back, your best offensive lineman, and your second best receiver. And, you know, the rest of the offensive line was garbage. I think just because the people around him, the coaching's going to be way better, he'll be better, personally. Yeah, I think a lot of what is behind Russell Wilson and the way he plays is that energy that he has for himself. And I think throughout a lot of last season, he just lost that energy in his game and in his, you know, confidence. Yeah. He was injured too. I mean, mm-hmm. he got knocked out unconscious in one game. He had a, it was like I believe a hip injury. He missed the game with that. Yeah, those those are two big injuries. 
and you know obviously he was taking a beating from the media and social media i made i posted many memes about his downfall i contributed <laughs> to spreading this information on the internet <laughs> yeah i think he'll have a much better season do i think he'll be an mvp no i think he'll have a pro bowl caliber season do you think he has the possibility of being an mvp though in this offense with no. champagne running just because the media is not on his side anymore even if he did put up mvp numbers he's not getting it the media has turned on him it's just not going to happen. What, what do you think he'll have to do to even get in the conversation? One seed, beat the Chiefs, 40-plus touchdowns, 4,500-plus yards, five rushing touchdowns. Basically what he was doing in Seattle, but a little bit more while being a one seed and defeating the Chiefs twice. That's what I think he'd have to that's pretty bold considering they haven't beat the Chiefs in literally like seven years. I was gonna say that's a tall order for them. That's the only way I think they would give it to him. Huh. Josh, what do you feel Russell Wilson's ceiling is this season? <laughs> way more wins than last season, at least. Um I'm not gonna lie to you. I think he played the way he played because he wanted Nathaniel Hackett out of there. I think he tossed all those games because he didn't like Nathaniel Hackett. And then right, what happens when Nathaniel Hackett gets fired? He starts playing better. He played way better at the end of the season once he knew that man was gone. And now he has Sean Payton as his head coach? I think we're going to see a lot more wins out of this Denver team. Um, maybe a wild card play-in, but that's about it. But a, a major improvement from last season. Major improvement. I mean, I'm a huge Russell Wilson supporter. I really love him. as I think he's a good person. I think from what I've seen in the media, and I know a lot of like people on his past teams have been saying that he's kind of a diva and does all this stuff. From what I've seen, he seems like a good person. You know, he's not. He may be a diva, but he's not doing anything inherently wrong. He's no Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Let's say that. Um, I think he deserves, you know, a fresh reset with this Broncos team. I think it was just, it was meant to implode last season all the pressure that people had put on them in the preseason last year because they looked like a really good team i think that was part of their downfall is that already put all that pressure on him and hackett and i think they both collapsed under that pressure and i think hackett collapsed first and it brought russ with it. the only reason why they even hired hack is because they thought they were going to get rogers so he wasn't qualified he didn't call the plays in green bay he never called plays before the only reason why they hired him was because they thought they were going to get Aaron rogers and then you look at the team, and it's like, okay, well, the team isn't matching the expectations because they're not good enough. That's what I was going to say about the Broncos. They don't have an offensive line. I was, they lost Tim Patrick in training camp. That's their second. That's, like, literally the most reliable receiver because Judy's always in and out of the lineup. He's not their best receiver, but he's the most reliable receiver. They didn't really have a tight end. They had Greg Dolchich and Albert O. They... But for whatever reason, would only throw to Andrew Beck, who's like the third string fullback. Now I think they'll be much better. Mm-hmm. Now that we're talking about diva quarterbacks, and you mentioned his name, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Uh, it's a proposed trade to the Jets right now. Um, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, kind of staying in the media with it. He just gave the Jets earlier today a list of free agents that he wants them to sign and bring. He got in. one of them, Alan Lazard, four mm-hmm. years, forty-four mil. At least he's a good friend. He's putting his homies on, getting them employed. The only really player I see out of those four that the Jets would actually want and would help them would be Lazard. 
They signed two tight ends last year, so I don't know why they'd sign Mercedes Lewis. And Randall Cobb is, you know, his hamstring has less ability than this empty Diet Pepsi bottle. <laughs> he's just being it. He's, he's like, I wouldn't be surprised if he asked them to get a mass quantity of perks as well. <laughs> All the ayahuasca he could yes. ever want. He's going to have fun because he can get that every corner in New York. I was going to say, in New York, you're going to find it everywhere. <laughs> he's going to have a, If he does go there, he's going to have a grand time. <laughs> um, what, what do you think Aaron Rodgers in New York, what do you think the ceiling of that team is? I've been asking you about these, all the teams. What, what is the ceiling of this Jets team? Super Bowl contender. That defense, which is only going to get better. Brees Hall comes back. They got weapons. The offensive line will get better. They'll get healthier. They're a Super Bowl contender. They get them. AFC Championship. That's it. That's, yeah. that's as far as it goes. He doesn't make the Super Bowl. I think that's way too far for him. Who do you think is ahead of him? Like in that group, and who's going to beat them? Chiefs. That's it. That's the only team you'd have. I mean, uh, no longer the Bills because they're losing all their. They're going to lose Jordan Poyer too. Really? Most likely, yeah. They don't have the money to pay him. Stephon Diggs isn't happy either. He's not happy. The old line is getting older. Uh, they still got Dumb and Dumber in the backfield as their running backs, basically. <laughs> Maybe the Jaguars, if they take that leap, they got Kelvin Ridley now. They're gonna have to. They'll be fine with losing Jamon Taylor because David Walker Little is their. He was a second round pick. He played very well when Cam Robinson got hurt. So they'll be fine there. Add a little another interior offensive lineman. They'll be set. Yeah, I'd say the Chiefs, Jags, and then maybe the Bengals. They just lost both their starting safeties. So that doesn't help. The Browns might the be Browns a can just if Deshaun Watson plays like old Deshaun Watson, they continue to run the ball like that, and their defense is just okay. There's no reason why they can't win that division and be a playoff team. There's no reason why they can't. Yeah, like the Jets definitely win AFC East for sure. Like I'll put that up there right now, but. With Kansas City being Kansas City and you them having Mahomes, it's going to be really hard for you to really, like, get past that, obviously. But you also have to worry about the Jaguars, obviously, because Doug Peterson's a mastermind. I mean, in my opinion, he should have won Coach of the Year. But uh, what's Brian? Brian Dable. Yeah, Brian Dable. He's still a good coach, great coach. You know, like, he still deserved that no matter what. But Doug Peterson really turned that – Jacksonville team around, like, quick, right? And then the Browns in the north, I mean, that's all you have to really worry about. Because, um, <clears throat> yeah, like he said, if Deshaun Watson plays like Deshaun Watson, that's a, that's a scary team right there, especially the especially with the Browns wanting to target um, a fast receiver, or, or a, a skilled receiver to pair with uh, Amari Cooper. That's That's going to be a nice team, man. Also concerning that, you know, teams like Pittsburgh and Baltimore are kind of on the fence of if they're going to be good or if they're going to be bad yep. this year. Baltimore's going to be bad. Even if they still have Lamar Jackson, you think? Yeah. They lost arguably the best offensive lineman. They're, I mean, they don't have any quarterbacks on their roster now. They have to re-sign Huntley if they want him, too. Mm-hmm. If they just re-sign Lamar or if they don't, they give him the franchise tag. He's not going to be happy. That never works out well. Probably might even hold out, too. Which I think would be the worst decision for him. Yeah, we'll talk about him later. He's interesting. 
but I don't the whole team is just disconnected. The players are calling out the upper management, they're calling out Harbaugh. They just seem like they're just being torn apart. All their other all their DBs except for Marlon Humphrey are unrestricted free agents. Mm-hmm. They just lost Chuck Clark. Uh, Marcus Peters is a guy I would like the Bears to sign. I think he could be a good third corner. Maybe even step in for that number two if Kyler Gordon can't step up or take that next step. I would I would like Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters is another one of my favorite players. That I would, just want my, the Bears to sign all my favorite players. <laughs> that, that would be nice. Actually, Marcus Peters, he's not the same after that uh, ACL mm-hmm. injury. Resign Trubisky. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Marcus Peters would be a nice backup if, like, Gordon starts to get, like, shaky again. Because, I mean, he definitely was shaky this season. I mean, he stepped up a lot during it at some point. But having Marcus Peters, I mean, obviously not the same when he first got picked, but that would be really nice backup. Mm-hmm. I like what you're saying on that. Um, we got about like five more minutes until we take a break. Let's talk about Lamar Jackson now. Exactly, what's been happening with that? Well, he, today he tweeted out with the funny emoji that he turned down a three-year, hundred and thirty-four million dollar, fully guaranteed contract. <laughs> so he literally they gave him what he wanted, fully guaranteed. Which is a shorter contract, which is even better, because then you get you can get paid again while you're still young, because you'd only be 29 as opposed to five years, you'd be 31, which he's probably going to age not quite as well as a lot of quarterbacks, because he's a running quarterback. He turned that down. I believe that is what 44 million dollars a year. So he turned that down. He originally turned down some type of contract after his third year, which could have got him paid even sooner. So he's now said no to that twice. He refuses to hire an agent, which it hasn't worked for him. It didn't work from the pre-draft process. He literally slid because teams had a hard time communicating with him. He still now refuses. He's had three failed negotiations, and he still refuses to hire an agent. He does. He actually gets what he wants, a fully guaranteed deal, which is insane. He refuses to understand the only reason why the Browns did that is because they're the Browns and they had no other choice. And it's not like... That reset the market, and every deal after that was fully guaranteed deal. There was Kyler Murray got paid after that. Uh, was it not Josh Allen? Who else? Well, uh, the quarterbacks who got paid last offseason. I mean, Geno Smith and Daniel Jones didn't get f- fully guaranteed deals this year. So it's not like it was something that fully reset the market. And now he's tweeting out that it, he said no to what he wanted. I, At this point... I don't feel bad for him. I, I think what it is is that he does just does not want to be in Baltimore anymore. He's doing everything he can for them not to bring him back. And for some reason, Baltimore is like they're fighting with him completely the opposite way, even though he obviously doesn't want to be there. And I understand if you let Lamar Jackson go, you are fully going into a rebuild. But at least you get two first-round picks. At least you know what direction you're going. Literally. I think they'd still be fine even if they had like Huntley for this year just because they have a new offense so Huntley will play better they would just they'd have say he goes to the Jets it's the only team I see if Rodgers says no you'd have the 13th pick and what the 20 something pick you can get two good players there and then you'd have a ton of cap space because the only other person you're paying is Roquan which is nuts mm-hmm. it's I don't know this is, this is a very odd situation and you were saying the Jets. I I think that list of teams that said they were out weren't actually out. I think a lot of them did that, and we were talking about the Falcons before, so that they could be able to still sign free agents. 
if they had said that they are trading their first two round two first round picks and then are willing to pay Lamar Jackson, the Falcons would not have a lot of money. These teams would not have a lot of money. You can't draw in free agents with no money. I think what a lot of these teams' big plans were were get through free agency first, build a team first, and then find the room for Lamar Jackson. <coughs> Don't and I think by saying that they're out is basically just saying we're waiting now. I don't I don't think any team would be out on a guy like Lamar Jackson. He's a former MVP. He was a Pro Bowler in 2021. You know, yes, he's dealt with injuries this past year, but, you know, Josh has said this a couple times. I don't think a lot of the time he was really that injured. I think he just didn't want to play. Yeah, and every time he's gotten injured, it wasn't him running. It was him in the pocket. He's one of the smartest runners I've ever seen. He very rarely takes a big hit. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of what he's doing is on purpose. And a lot of what the other teams are doing is on purpose as well. But I think from Lamar Jackson's side, he's doing it in such a stupid way. There's a lot of other ways for you to, you know, try to get out of there. And I think what he's worried about is that he's going to get stuck in the Aaron Rodgers loop right now where he just constantly is unhappy, but the Packers just find ways to sign him again and sign him again and sign him again until they physically can't do anything else but get rid of him or trade him. And I don't think it's going to work for a guy like Lamar Jackson because although Lamar Jackson is a very good quarterback, Aaron Rodgers is a top-five quarterback of all time. Yeah. It's a very different situation for those two guys. Aaron Rodgers has a Super Bowl win, <laughs> and Lamar has really had not had one great playoff game. He won a game, but he was a running back in that game. He had more running yards and passing yards, I believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I can't see a world where – even with this weird franchise tag, Lamar Jackson is on this team. I, I don't think by the end of free agency it's going to be worth it for either side to keep him there with the way it is going right now. And I'm super interested to see where he's going because I really do think it's going to be one of those teams that says they're out. And they're going to hop right back in on draft day and trade for him is what's going to happen. And, you know, I think that could be the Falcons. And I really do, based on what the Falcons are signing, think that's what's happening there. And if that happens, I think the Falcons are going to be really dang good. So we'll see what happens. It's 9 p.m. here in Elmer's Illinois, which means we're going to take a little bit of a break here. When we come back, we got our food draft. Uh, our NF, or, uh, We're going to do a March Madness uh, breakdown for you guys. And then we got a March Madness draft there. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor Diaz, only on WRSE. How's everybody doing? Welcome back to the Blue Jay Boys Show. I'm Big Chuck with WRSE 88.7 FM. If you guys are just tuning in, you missed us talk about the Bears' free agency and trades and a bunch of the other stuff that's happening in that uh, NFL now we are going to be moving on to March Madness. Um, the bracket was released on Sunday. In that bracket, there are a ton of great matchups. Sackley, what's yours that you think is going to be primed for an upset? Thinking Oral Roberts and Duke. I mean, Oral Roberts, they return basically the same team from when they made their original run. They still got Max Abmus, who's a beast. And now they have a 7-5 and a 7-3 player from Arkansas who can shoot threes and is very athletic as well. And Connor Vanner. And they have an overall very good team. Multiple players averaging 12 to 13 points. 
Uh, I think they're primed for an upset. I mean, they were a 15 seed last time. Now they're a 12 seed. I think it's their, it's their time to shine. Josh, what do you think is going to be the biggest upset here? Um, I think I'm taking Providence over Kentucky. Um, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people about it. Um, they're saying that Providence has a a transfer from Kentucky that uh, is just going to light the fire, light the fire for them, and really like take charge for this team and really just throw Kentucky out. Yeah. One that I'm looking at, and this has a lot to do with what happened in the Big East tournament, but I'm looking at Kennesaw State over Xavier. Um, Xavier got dismantled by Marquette in that championship game, and when you look at the Big East, and I, I, I'm cheering for Marquette just because Milwaukee boy, Wisconsin, got to cheer for him. I don't think they're going to make it very far either, even as the number two seed. That Big East is weak. You know, Marquette looks good, really good at some points, and they look really bad against bad teams at other points. Um, you know, there's the game against Wisconsin earlier in the season where they pulled it out, but it was still like a closer game. Um, I just don't feel like... <laughs> This conference has what it takes to be a champion anymore, and you're going to see that right away in the first round from Kennesaw State. Sackley, what's one player that you're looking at in this playoffs? First off, very impressive, Kennesaw State. They were 128 back in 2019, so I think that's very impressive. For my one player that I think is just going to go off and surprise everybody, it's Max Abbas. He's done it before. He's going to do it again. I was very surprised he didn't transfer from Oral Roberts. His uh, sidekick, Kevin O'Banner, did. He, t- he transferred to Texas Tech, but I think he's going to put on a show. I mean, he has one more year of eligibility. He m- might have a chance of breaking Pete Maravich's all-time score record, kind of like how Antoine Davis did this year. But yeah, I think it's going to be him. He can shoot it from anywhere. He can get to the rim. He's 6'3". I believe in him. I mean, this year has been a very weak year for college basketball talent. majority of the top ten picks are going to be in from G League Ignite, other teams in the G League or you know, overseas guys. We still don't even know who really is going to be the first college American player. So I think it's going to be someone like Max Abbas from a smaller team that's just going to take storm. I mean, we've, we've seen that a lot in the past couple of years where there is, you know, a lot of representatives from across overseas or stuff like that. You see these guys that are from those small schools, and you think about guys like Steph Curry who get drafted late in the round that play really well, kind of like Max Obnus in the uh, March Madness, and that boosts them up a little bit. Or Damian Lillards and C.J. McCollum's and guys like that. So I think he has the ability to be right up there with you. I, I agree. Josh, who's a player that you think is going to be in there? Um, that Jaime Jaquez Jr. from UCLA. Um, you know, he made it for, uh, I believe, yeah, last year with UCLA, and I think they're kind of out for revenge right now because, you know, they were playing really good games last year, and, you know, who beat them? Uh, Gonzaga? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, like, they're out for revenge right now, and I think he's a very key role in, you know, why, you know, they have been winning. Um, but I think, you know, he can lead his team, team to victory. So. Yeah, and that UCLA team is just very experienced. They got a lot of, you know, uh, veterans on that roster that I think is going to help them carry. You mentioned Gonzaga. That's who I think is going to be, you know, a big player in this tournament. That's Drew Timmy. I think he's been here before. He's made it far before. He is, you know, just the definition of a college player. Um, he's a guy that's probably not going to get drafted, probably not going to play very long in the NBA when he gets there. 
Um, but he's just going to be known for being a baller in college. And, you know, I think about guys like, like Luke May a couple years ago for UNC, just guys that they're, they're meant to be there. They're meant to be in March Madness, and Drew Timmy's that type of guy, and I think that's just going to show out for him. Sackley, you said you were making a bracket already, or you made a bracket already. What's your Final Four looking like, and why did you pick that Final Four? Well, for my bracket, I did have UCLA uh, winning it all. So let me, as I pull it up right here, uh, one second. go all right my final four for this year is arizona uh i had them beating alabama in the elite eight because i that whole scandal is gonna weigh on them especially if more details come out i think they're very mentally fatigued even though they have been winning still i think that's eventually gonna come into play i can't stay beating oral roberts in the elite eight Kansas State, you know, they had a run a few years ago where they went to the Elite Eight as well. I think they're just one of those teams that is no one ever talks about, but they go far when they do get in. Uh, I have Texas beating Houston in the Elite Eight. I just think Texas is that good. And Houston, Marcus Sasser's hurt. So they have been the most dominant team all year, but that's going to have some issues. They got smacked in the AAC championship game by Memphis. Uh, then I had UCLA beating Kansas in the Elite Eight to get it there. I think this is UCLA's year. They, just, they got a lot of returning guys, you know, Tiger Johnson, Jaime Jaquez Jr. They got a lot of guys coming back. They have Mark Bailey, who's a very good freshman. I think it's their year, Kansas. You know, they won it all last year. They've looked good at times this year, sometimes not so much. Bill Self just had heart surgery, so that doesn't help. Uh, I think those two are then... You know, for the championship game, I have uh, Arizona, UCLA, all Pac-12. I think UCLA will win that matchup. Josh, what do you got going on in your Final Four? Well, my Final Four, I got Alabama and Purdue. Uh, Purdue right now is probably, like, the only scary Big Ten team at the moment, um, you know, which makes them a contender. And I put them that far because, I mean, they're, they are a really good team, but Alabama is too. I think that Brandon Miller kid, uh, he's tasted glory, so – he knows what, how he can lead his team and what he could do for the team. Um, so I think he's going to take it really far. I mean, I have them in the championship game, Alabama. But I also uh, have Indiana and UCLA in my Final Four as well. I feel like Indiana just feeds off the crowd, really, as, as to why they win so much. Um, I think if they can get you know the big crowds they usually have in Indiana, I think it's going to take them really far. So... But if not, I would love to see Indiana lose because I hate Indiana. Um, but UCLA, like I said, uh, Jaime Hakes Jr., he, like you really said, you summed it up. Like they have experience, you know. Like it's that's gonna take them really far, you know. Other than you know how Alabama's like really really young team, um, that experience will take them really far with UCLA. But I do have them UCLA losing to Alabama in the final. So I mean, that's what I got going. You know, like I was saying before, I have Marquette going to my Final Four. Uh, part of it is because I'm a homer, but part of it is also because I think they are one of the deeper teams in the country. Um, they run a bench unit that is usually out there keeping pace with at least the starters. You know, a lot of the times they play better. Um, my friend, David Joplin, was the Big East Sixth Man of the Year for Marquette. Hey. Um, that was, like, a huge push for them. He's been playing great all season. 
Uh, and he, in particular, is a big man who has the shooting ability from the outside and is able to kind of, you know, play both sides of the ball on that perimeter even as a bigger player. Um, and you've been seeing this a lot in a lot of guys that actually come out of Wisconsin. You look at guys like Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Jalen Johnson who are in the NBA right now. They're both kind of the same way. They're big, long shooters who also play decent perimeter defense. And I think a lot of that plays into effect in the March Madness when teams need a lot of perimeter scoring late in those games. I think a lot of teams rely on that, a lot of that play style. So when you can have a big man who's able to stretch the floor and also protect the floor on the defense, that helps out a lot. And that's coming off your bench. That's not even in your starting lineup. So I think that's going to help carry them a lot. Um, you know, looking at the rest of this, I think Alabama's probably, the, in talent-wise, the best team in the tournament this year. Um, you know, you guys were talking about Brandon Miller, and although he has all this other stuff swarming around him outside of basketball, when he's playing basketball, that is a scary man. Um, I think he's probably going to be the first college player taken. Zach was talking about a uh, guy from Oral Roberts, but I, I think Brandon Miller's potentially a first overall pick in this draft if he can keep playing well and you know a team that has that first overall pick isn't looking for a big man and a guy like Victor Wenbanyama yeah. he's has the potential to be pushed up there because of that most definitely <clears throat> um looking at other parts of the bracket you know I think Texas probably has a shot to play at least into the final four um they're gonna have to go through a lot this is probably the best corner of the bracket I would say or maybe not the best but the most competitive corner of the bracket I think there's a very tight race between that one through like nine seed when you have uh, an Auburn at nine or an Iowa at eight I think Iowa's a very good team I think Iowa is a very well coached team and they're always out there you know just running the system that's what Iowa does best and they play defense well and I think a lot of that shows out in the tournament <clears throat> looking at the bottom corner of the bracket, I was talking about Gonzaga before. I think you just can't count Gonzaga out. I know I'm kind of, you know, pushing away from a lot of those top seeds, but I think Gonzaga has the ability to show out in the tournament because of a lot of that experience that they have on their roster. If I had to pick one of these teams to win, I think Alabama has the best shot to win. Like I was saying, they're just the most talented. It's, that's, that's all it comes down to. Um, I think it's going to help them outlast a lot of these other teams, even with less experience. <clears throat> For our draft today, we wanted to take our top three Cinderella runs in the NCAA March Madness history. Travis Homer to the Bears. Oh, Miami uh, guy. 4.5 mil, so very cheap. He's a, more so of a pass catcher. Uh, and he's got a great last name, Homer. And he's a Miami guy. That's, that's not bad. I mean, I'm guessing we're probably still going to add more to the running back position, mm-hmm. but he's a good third running back. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a guy who's good receiver, good uh, returner, too. He was returning a lot for Seattle. That's good. We use a punt returner. Mm-hmm. So, Vilas Jones was really getting the job done. He, he'll be a kick returner only. He could not do punts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. Was it a one-year deal? Two years, 4.5 mil. Oh, wow. I'll take that. It's fine with me. <laughs> Thank you, Sackley, for the breaking news on Bears free agency. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to start us off with the Cinderella team draft over there? Got the Peacocks, baby. The St. Peter's pe- uh, fighting Peacocks from last year with Doug Edert and the Shaheen Holloway is their coach, who's now you know the coach at um, Seton Hall. It was just they had a great story. You know their basketball office 
flooded earlier in the year because the pool that was above, located above their office, broke. They had to take. They didn't have enough money for flights. They had to take like six-hour bus rides for half the season. They their tallest guy was like six seven, and he now plays for SIU, which is one of the teams I like, and he's garbage. And they still did it. They don't know how. They beat Kentucky and Oscar Tshiwe in the first round. The Wooden Player of the Year. It was just glorious from start to finish. Josh, who's your first pick in this draft? Loyola, Chicago, making it to the Final Four in 2018. That was a historic moment for Illinois and Loyola, Chicago. Um, That was a really fun thing to watch. I mean, that nun, she does something to that team, man. Um, She really helped that team get there. And, I mean, those kids alone were really, really talented. And it was really exciting. And it it made a really fun March Madness that year. Uh, my first round pick is going to be Oral Roberts. You know, it's a team that Sackley was talking about making an upset this year. Uh, when they went on to beat Ohio State when they were the 15 seed over a two seed, you know, you don't see that every day. Can never go wrong with Oral. <laughs> exactly. Sackley, who are you taking with your second pick? I got to go with Dunk City. I got to go with the old Florida Gulf Coast University. They beat, you know, San Diego State back when they were big time. Can't remember there, but they did it just the way they did it with those, you know, their dunk city with the crazy alley oops and Sherwood Browns making stuff happen, three point line. Never heard of them. It was their first ever appearance. You know, it was just very fun to watch. That was when I first got into college basketball. I was at a St. Patrick's Day party, my good friend Aiden's house, and it was it was awesome. Gotta go with that. <laughs> Josh, who's your second pick here? Oh, seven, oh, eight. Uh, Davidson Wildcats with Steph Curry. Um, it's when they lost to Kansas in the lead eight. That was really fun. You know, Curry put up a fight. Um, you know, twenty nine seven overall record, and I mean, they beat Gonzaga that year, which is really surprising. No one saw that coming. But I mean, losing to a number one seed Kansas at that time was, you know, it was gonna, it was bound to happen. But it was really fun to watch. Uh, my second overall pick is going to be 2010 uh, University of Northern Iowa. Uh, they made a run to the Sweet 16. They were the nine seed that year. Ali Fruk Manesh. Uh-huh. Uh, full court shots, buzzer beaters. It was just an exciting team. That was, you know, you were talking about your first year really watching. I think 2010 was really my first year watching it. And that was, you know, a big introduction to college basketball and March Madness at that point. And that was just a really fun team to watch for me. Exactly. Your last pick in this draft? Well, this team only made it to the round of 32, but, I mean, they were the first ever 16th seed to win, the UMBC uh, Retrievers. <laughs> I mean, they beat a Virginia team that was the number one overall seed, the best number one seed of that year. Ended up having three NBA players, DeAndre Hunter, Ty Jerome, and Kyle Guy. I mean, it was a great story. And I agree with them. The history-making Retrievers. Josh, your second pick in this draft? My last pick? Your last pick. My bad. <laughs> um, I don't really know. I think, I mean, I don't really, I don't know if I'm going to call it a Cinderella story, but um, Villanova hitting that last shot against, um, what was it, North Carolina? Mm-hmm. That was insane. No one saw that coming. No one. We were just talking about greatest games in March Madness history. That one was insane. Oh, most definitely. Absolutely. But that's awesome. the only one I could think of off the top yeah. of my head. It's nuts that the guy that hit that shot was, like, last playing, like, minor league basketball. 
just kind of nuts. Um, with my last pick, I'm going to go a team. This is this team was a six seed when they were in the tournament, but I'm still going to call it a Cinderella run because in 1983, the NC State uh, Wolfpack, uh-huh, Jimmy V went on. You know, there's a great 30 for 30 about him and this team on ESPN that everybody should go check out. I they were, they weren't even supposed to make the tournament. They had nope. to win their conference tournament to get in there. Yeah, they, they made, had to beat the Jordan team with – him, Sam Perkins, James Worthy, then they beat Ralph Sampson, who was like the unstoppable force. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's a good one. That's yeah. probably the best one ever. That that Houston team was just, it was supposed to be unstoppable. Kim Olajuwon, uh-huh. Clyde Drexler, and Benny Anders. Yeah, that the amount of just pure talent they had to go through, it was insane. Yeah. And, and the Jimmy V story is, if you want some inspiration, yeah. somebody who really fought for themselves and their family and eventually he fought for his life extremely hard later on you know watch his sp speech you know it's it's all very moving i think the jimmy v story is fantastic and this team is just one of those chunks of that story that will just last on forever everybody will talk about that 1983 team all right folks we're going to take one more quick break when we come back we're going to tell you guys who won the last food battle and give out a new draft for that we'll be right back Welcome back, folks, to the Blue Jay Boys show. If you just tuned in, you missed us talk a little bit about March Madness and do our draft based on March Madness Cinderella runs. After the show, we'll post something on our story. You guys can vote for which one of us you think won the draft this week. Now let's move back on to our food battle. We skipped a week last week. We're getting back on track here. Let's talk about who won our last food battle. We had tacos. Going up against country fried, steak. country fried Steak. We chose tacos. The fans also chose tacos. Our winner for this tournament, we had three entries on this one. Let's try to get these numbers up. I know you guys want 15 bucks. Who doesn't want 15 bucks? Come on now. Our uh, winner of the third ever food battle, I'm sorry, JP, but Karime, you win your $15 to go grab some tacos from Los Burritos on Tuesday. They're $1 tacos. I think next week we might have to get a big tray again. Yeah, we might have to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so congratulations to Karime. We'll post something afterwards of her receiving her money. Um, and then we want you guys to vote on Instagram for our next food bracket, which we are going to announce now. This food bracket is based on all the teams that Ryan Poles fleeced this offseason by taking away players from them. So we got some food from Buffalo, something from Nashville, something from Philadelphia, and finally something from Carolina. First off, we got in the left side of the bracket, we got Buffalo Wings from Buffalo and Nashville Hot Chicken from Nashville. Josh, who do you got winning this matchup? Just because I've never had a Nashville Hot Chicken. I'll take that as my winner for that one. So you're choosing it even though you've never had it? Yeah. Try something new. Yeah. Ah, fair enough. Okay. <coughs> Buffalo wings. I mean, you can. It's just a classic. When they're done right. They're delicious. I think this one's a tough one. They're very similar. You know, both hot chicken. Whenever I have Nashville hot chicken, though, it's always just like way too much. Like I think buffalo wings are like the perfect amount of like just spicy in it. I think Nashville. Really they're Caucasian. Yeah, that is also a good point. Um, but. You know, Nashville hot chicken still is like, it always seems like they're just trying to outdo the other Nashville hot chicken place with how spicy their stuff is. And at one point, it's just not even good because your tongue, tongue's like numb from eating this stuff. So I think I'm going to go with the classic buffalo wings. 
If this wins, though, we're not getting him from Buffalo Wild Wings. No. I, I can't. Buffalo Wild Wings disgusting. No, not we'll, Wingstop either. We'll I got like, food poisoning. Like pub, pub style or something like that? Yeah. That would be nice. Or bar style? Yeah. That would be nice. That will be a little better. On the other side of the bracket, we got soft pretzels against Krispy Kreme. If we, when we get the soft pretzels, I think we're going to get them from Auntie Anne's, which is, you know, a classic pretzel place versus a classic donut place. Josh, who are you taking in this matchup? That's hard, man. Um, give me Auntie Anne's, man. I'm going with uh, Krispy Kreme. Oh, my God. Man. Why, why Krispy Kreme? Just so good. <laughs> I can eat, like, a box of them. Pretzels, I like I like I like hard pretzels better. Okay. Nice little rolled gold. Delicious. <laughs> like, like the little butter ones. No, oh. oh, you gotta get the chunks that are like yeah. covered in cheddar cheese. Oh, I could eat a bag of those a day. Uh, with that being said though, I do like me a great soft pretzel. You know, Krispy Kreme's good, but it always bothers me that there's never like there's Krispy Kremes around, but they're never like right by you. You never live by a Krispy Kreme. It's this one, the yeah, worst. I get what you're saying, but this one not too far from us. But I get, I get what it's you're like saying. It's like 20 minutes away. That's far. If it's over a 10-minute drive, that's far. I mean, I guess. Auntie Anne's, every single mall you walk into, there's an Auntie Who Auntie even Anne's goes there. to malls nowadays? I go to the mall nowadays. I love the mall. Sometimes the I go just for around Auntie Anne's. here have, like, died. Ah, Oak Brook's still popping. Yorktown, Yorktown's still popping, too. Woodfield's down. doing all right. Woodfield's too far. <laughs> Yorktown's doing all right. Yeah. And you know what they got? They got Auntie Damn, Anne's, baby. Man. And they got them hot pretzels with that delicious hot cheese. If you're not feeling hot pretzels and hot cheese, you could get the hot cinnamon pretzels Ooh. with the, like, the, the little the bites. sauce. Yeah. Or the little bites. I love the little bites, man. All yeah. Those. They got the pizza bites. Come on now. I'm going Auntie Anne's on this one. Nice. We'll post the bracket on Instagram along with Karime getting her $15. On Instagram, we want you guys to vote for who you think would win this battle. Next week, uh, when we have our show, we will be battling the two winners that you guys pick. So stay tuned for that. Again, congratulations to Karime. All right. We're going to move on to the World Baseball Classic here. Talk a little bit about what's going on in there. Josh, what are some of the big games that you've been watching, some of the big upsets, maybe some of the just greatest performances? What's going on in the World Baseball Classic? So right now, you know, there was there was a little bit of like a, a later start for some of the other teams. Um, I believe, yeah, Cuba and Netherlands started off the World Baseball Classic. I was actually surprised Cuba lost that game because I didn't actually think the Netherlands were going to stand a chance again, especially in uh, Pool A. Um, but, you know, the games kept going. Um, and then we got to see USA play. <laughs> Hold this L, Britain. <laughs> um, but now, and then after Britain, we played Mexico, which was a kick in the face. Yeah. So, who's that one guy? I forget. Uh, Arca- uh, I, don't know. I, know I forget his name. Uh, I'm about to find out right now. You're talking about the outfielder from... That plays in the MLB. Orozarena. Randy Orozarena. Yeah, yeah, he is an animal. Like I'm. S- oh, when he wears the cowboy boots before the yeah, games. Yeah, like I didn't even know he was Mexican. <laughs> that threw me off. Um, but no, like you know, Mexico's a really in like very popular team right now. Their fan base is huge. 
like almost as huge as Japan and or China, like it's insane. And I love to see it. I can't wait till they wear their baby blue uniforms. Those are the nicest things in the world. <laughs> USA's got the strip of bacon on their jerseys. So, I mean, I don't know why we didn't change anything. Great Britain's jerseys are probably the worst thing. <laughs> I in, love Great Britain's jerseys. They are the worst jerseys ever. <laughs> it, it looks like, what did, oh, what did my uncle say? Um, it looks like an old, like, 1980s box of cereal, an off-brand that you get off the shelf. <laughs> like, it's so bad. On the left side of their jersey, if you add one more T to the end, you get a very profane message that I think is hilarious and that everybody keeps editing onto their jerseys because <laughs> the USA beat them. Oh, um, you know, the Netherlands is a team that I think a lot of people under it. I don't think you're the only one that was kind of surprised when they won. But when you look at their infield, they have an all-MLB infield that is just studs or guys who have been studs. They have Xander Bogarts. They got D.D. Gregorius. You know, they have dudes who can play. Like, that team is – and they've always been, like, semi-good. And I think people notice it when they get that one big win and then they forget about them again every, like, four years whenever the World Baseball Classic happens. Um, So I think, like, every year they're going to be competitive and people are always just going to be surprised. But I don't think they should be surprised. Um, with the USA, you know, go USA. Great Britain sucks. It's a kilometer. <laughs> um, they still they still eat like beans on toast. Like Germany's <laughs> flying over their country. Literally, who wakes up and chooses to eat beans <laughs> on toast? It's like raw potatoes. It's like they're still rationing. I think the USA could lose every game from now on. I'd still be happy just because they beat Great Britain. <laughs> yes. That's how I feel in, like, every sport, like, when the World Cup's happening. How about know? them team bags? <laughs> it's just USA could be the worst team. Olympics could be the worst team as long as they're better than Great Britain. Oh, that's, that's all that matters. matters. Yeah. It's the only time. I'm not a very patriotic person, but when it comes to sports, I'm all team USA for that. Yeah, when it comes to nation sports, that's, bro, you saw, did you, like, when they would pan into the stands and everything, you saw George Washington outfits on and everything. It was great. It was amazing. But uh, in other news, sorry. Um, you know, Japan is looking scary. I love to see it. Shohei Otani. He, that one home run he hit that went like 500 feet. And the coach, it was uh, the... Uh, the last time they played uh, was Australia. Was it the, the Australia coach, yeah. yes. He was like, they asked him like what happened in the game. And he goes, Shohei Otani hit a ball 500 feet. That's what happened. We're not beating that. He was like straight dude got up lame. named MVP of Pool B already. Like the dude is a menace. Like I think he's been waiting for this for so long. Like if if COVID didn't happen, he would have been MVP every like straight every year. Because mm-hmm. this guy, I know they do it like every four years or whatever how they do it. But if they did it like every year, this man would run World Baseball Classic by far. <laughs> um, and you know, I want to go back and talk about Mexico a little bit. That team is just so much fun. To oh watch. yeah. Like one of my. It's like watching Puerto Rico. My one. Of, I love fat guys in <laughs> baseball, and Rowdy Telez is so much fun. I love that dude with a passion, and he just like he can never get on base the rest of World Baseball Classic, and I would rock a Mexico Rowdy Telez jersey right now. That would be the best. You know, Randy Orozarena is so much fun. They have that's another team that just has so much talent that I think people are overlooking, and then like. Some of the other teams, um, you know, going back to Japan, too, Shohei Otani's playing well. A lot of that team is playing well. One thing I wanted to talk about was their fans. After Shohei Otani hit that ball, they were all, 
like one guy caught the ball and they were all looking at it, taking pictures of it, just passing it on to the next person. Yeah. Looking at it, yeah. it was so respectful. They're the most they, respectful. Yeah, they're the fan I, base I've ever I seen. I went to Japan. I've been to Japan. Those, those people over there are amazing. They are so nice, and like, what do you call it? Like. The one random fact that I'll just shout out right now, like, I got facts too, buddy, um, <laughs> is that um, they're taught from, like, a, the youngest age that they can remember that there are no trash cans on the street of Japan. Anywhere you go, you are taught to bring home your trash with you to keep your, like, the country clean. Like, it's insane. Like, Kyoto looks like Chicago, just extra clean. <laughs> it's insane. Huh. And... I was just thinking about that and, like, you know, that trash can story makes it even, you know, more more obvious about, like, just how rude Americans are. Like, you look at, like, some of these games from MLB this past season and there's grown men wrestling balls away from, like, little girls. Yeah. And these people are just casually, nicely passing along the ball so everybody can see it and look at it and take a picture and stuff. And there are grown men who have probably been on their sixth girlfriend because... They definitely can't keep any of them. Spending all their money from gambling, buying a ticket to go to an MLB game to get a $20 ticket just so that they can steal a baseball from a little girl. Just nice little fat, sweaty palm uh-huh. in the face and just throwing her. Pushing them over yeah. to grab the balls on the ground. Hold my beer, woman. <laughs> like, um, The other thing I wanted to talk about from yesterday is, or a couple days ago, uh, Puerto Rico was throwing a perfect game their starting pitcher was throwing a perfect game through six innings and they took him out of the game because the world baseball classic has a pitch limit how do you feel about that you know the the pitch limit is it's interesting i mean me personally i don't like it i think they shouldn't have added it in it because i caught it really quick before it disappeared um i think it's like you throw 30 pitches, you're out for the next day. You throw 50, you're out for two days. And I think if you throw more than that, I think, what, 80 you said? Then I think you have to sit a whole week. Like, you can't play at all. Like, you have to rest. And I get it, you know, you got to save your pitchers, rotate, and whatever. But when you got stuff like that, like, there should be special causes for something like that. Like, you can't really... It's bogus. Like, it's a bogus rule, you know? There has to be a special circumstance for something like that to not happen. You know, if it's like, oh, he's, you know, hitless, perfect game, whatever, like, no hitter, but right when, you know, that ball hits the floor and he gives up something, yeah, take him out. But let him pitch, you know? Like, I think it's just a little silly. I understand, though, you know, you got to save these guys. They're playing a decent amount of time, and but also you got – uh, opening day coming up in two weeks. So I, I understand, you know, you got to keep these guys healthy. They Like, once this is over, I think they go back to spring training, like, I think one week, and that's it. And then they got, they got opening day. So it, I, I understand, you know, from an organization standpoint, you got to look out for these guys' health. They got to hold 162 games to play. But in cases like that, you got to let them pitch. You, you have to. And, and Puerto Rico went on to actually – complete the perfect game with the rest of their bullpen, but I, I completely agree. I think there should just be special cases for this. Yeah, There's no reason this guy should have been taken out. This this could have been the game of his life for all we know. Like, 
it, this could have been the greatest moment of his life, and he has to come out of that game because the pitcher or the coach doesn't want to, him to have to sit extra days. And again, what you were saying, I think a lot of the leagues around the world are the ones that probably came up with this rule. It's probably not the World Baseball Classic. It's probably the MLB and you know the NKO and all these other baseball leagues around the world, and they're just saying we're all going to play soon. Yes, this is supposed to be fun for our players and it's supposed to give exposure to baseball around the world, but at the same time, we're paying these guys millions of dollars. Like, we need them to be healthy on opening day, and this is not going to be the reason they're going to be hurt. Um, but also, doesn't the MLB want these young guys that are throwing perfect games to be throwing perfect games in the World Baseball Classic? Most especially definitely. if they're not well-known? Most definitely, because it puts them on the map. It brings in attention, because then those those fans from that country come and watch their games at their MLB stadiums, make these guys rich, and just brings in more revenue, right? But it also brings in a sense of familiarity for these pitchers to be like, oh, my God, he was at my baseball classic game. You know, I know they don't have time to pay attention to every fan, but when you recognize, you know, when there's a sense of familiarity, then you're comfortable, you know, you're not, like, nervous or, like, oh, my God, there's so many people here. Those World Baseball Classic stadiums are, besides the Miami and Phoenix ones, are probably bigger than the ones we have here in the U.S. So just imagine, like, what the finals are going to look like, and those stadiums are going to be packed out than compared to a full stadium here in the U.S. Like, those stadiums are massive, other than the Arizona and Miami ones. Like, these guys, this is their chance to get comfortable with all of these fans, especially the young guys, right? Especially with the pitcher from Nicaragua. Like, this is their chance to really, like, break the break the glue and whatever, get comfortable, break out of the shell, like, really just, just let it go. Like, just, you know, get everything out now and be ready for the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were talking about the pitcher from Nicaragua. Uh, it's uh, Duke Hebert, is that yeah, what Hebert. we came up on? Yeah. Duke Hebert, you know, he struck out three of the best batters in the MLB. Yep. It was Juan Soto, Julio Rodriguez, Rafael Devers, back to back to back to close out a game. That is insane. The dude got a contract right afterwards because people were in the stands watching. That can happen for any of these guys. And, you know, a guy with the perfect game going into the sixth inning, if he has that perfect game through nine, that looks a lot better than just a perfect game through six. Perfect game through six looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Perfect game through nine gets you a contract. Exactly. Gets you a contract. Guaranteed. And that kid, he got, what, signed to the Detroit the Tigers. Yeah. So, I mean, we could see him coming up in a nice rotation. Like, I think they have a lot of faith, and I think they should have a lot of faith in him. Like, he is a very good pitcher. And to strike out three of the best batters in the game? The game, bro? That's insane. Um, I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite story coming out of the World Baseball Classic? There's a lot of really fun players and names going around. Um, what do you feel like is the one that you're watching the most closely or the one that intrigued you the most? Oh, I thought I saw something earlier. Um I can't think of it. I, I can start. My favorite one so far, uh, and I know Sackley isn't going to like this because he's coming from Team Israel, and Sackley is <laughs> praying on their downfall on this one. Um, <laughs> Shlomo Lippitz is a 44-year-old pitcher who throws, like, 50 miles an hour, and 
the only reason, and he's the second oldest player in the entire World Baseball Classic. The only reason he is on the team is because he's like one of Israel's richest people, and they just like let him go on any like professional sports team he wants whenever Israel plays in like world sports. Um, and he's been on the World Baseball Classic team before, back in 2002. Oh. And <laughs> exactly, <laughs> wow. he's been around for a while. <laughs> Um, yeah, he throws like a 60 mile per hour lob whenever they pitch him or anything. And they have to, like, in the World Baseball Classic, there's rules where you, like, have to pitch that guy at least once. So he gets in game sometimes. And what he does is he's like a day trader for the city winery in Israel and is, like, just straight up one of the richest people. And everybody on the team loves having him on the team just because he doesn't do anything but, like, give them money and, like, tell jokes all the time. And he's just, like, their best friend. And they just love this dude. Stereotypical stuff out of <laughs> And they just, they're, like, Israel, like, that's the one guy they're cheering for most of the time. Like, you don't hear a lot of stories from this Israel team. There's a lot of MLB players still on this team. Like, Jack Peterson's playing for this team. Yeah, none of them are really from Israel. They're just no, they're re- representing it, yeah. But... Shlomo Lippitz, and the reason his name is it's not it's not Shlomo, it's Shlomo. Um, they call him that because he only throws like forty miles an hour. I just think he's hilarious. I how do you do when he got in? I don't think he's gotten in yet. I don't think they've had to pitch him yet. But when he does go, and I'll let you guys know. That's coming. Three strikeouts, dominant performance. <laughs> I mean, who knows if you're throwing that slow? Like Some people I'm, don't know what to do exactly. with Exactly. Like a, like a uh-huh. or like They're that so one used guy to all those fast lob thing. It's unstoppable. <laughs> Josh, what's your favorite story? Um, Team Italy got an espresso machine in their dugout. <laughs> that, w- that was hilarious. And their celebration is the Italian hands throwing them up. And stuff. Yeah, like that's, that's hilarious. Like, I think... I think the espresso machine, like, tops it off. Like, that is probably the best <laughs> thing I've seen. Exactly. Do you have a favorite story coming out of this? Say just, you know, Duke striking out as the three top guys and then getting a deal right after. I think that's what it's truly about. Getting people, you know, giving them a chance. It's in front of the world. I like it. He's a young guy. He got a deal. Cool. Yeah, we'll keep giving you guys updates about the World Baseball Classic as it gets deeper into it and, you know, the games get a little bit more competitive than they are right now. Uh, so stay tuned for all of that. Folks, we are coming up here on the end of our show. Uh, if you liked what you heard tonight, be sure to tune in next week. I think we're going to do our show on Monday. We're thinking around noon right now. We'll post something on our Instagram. Uh, next week is our spring break, so I got plans to get out of town here. Uh, can't do it on Tuesday. We'll have the show on Monday. Uh, be sure to tune into our Instagram to vote on our draft in our story. And then also on Instagram, stay tuned for the post for when we put out the food bracket where you guys can vote for the matchup that we'll be dueling next week. All right, folks, thanks for listening. Tune in to us on Spotify if you missed anything, and we'll see you all next week.